The Diamondbacks have picked up their key free agent bat as they have agreed to a one-year deal with left-handed hitting Jock Peterson plus a 2025 mutual option. The financial terms of this agreement have not been reported yet, but Peterson is expected to join the Diamondbacks lineup for the 2024 season. We're going to discuss how Jock Peterson fits this lineup, what the D-backs can do for the rest of the offseason, and getting ready for the 2024 season on this episode of Snakes on the Diamond. So thank you everyone for coming in to watch and join the uh, podcast. I'm Mike McDermott. I write for Fan Nation's Inside the Diamondbacks. We cover the Diamondbacks from the Dominican Summer League all the way to the big leagues. And joining me today to discuss the Jock Peterson signing is Wes Byer. So Wes, how are you doing today? I'm fantastic. I'm like, I'm a huge Jock Peterson fan, as you know. So like, I could not be more excited that we signed him. I, I, I think the only thing, like not sarcastically, now we need to go after Tommy Pham. Before we get to anything else, we need the two of them on the team and playing fantasy sports league. Okay, like that's, that's, that's winning, winning this 2024 season doesn't matter. We need Jock and Tommy Pham on the same team. All right, so we're going to talk about Jock and why he's a great free agent signing for the Diamondbacks. But before we do that, make sure that Click the like button, subscribe, and turn on the bell for notifications so that way you don't miss a future podcast episode on YouTube. All righty. So, Jock Peterson, obviously the surface numbers don't jump off the page. In his 2023 season, Jock Peterson at 235 with 15 home runs, which doesn't, doesn't necessarily fit the profile of a left-handed slugger, but I feel like there's a... More to be had in his profile. We'll pull up his uh, baseball savant page here. And you can see on the baseball savant page, uh, Peterson's numbers significantly underperformed. In my opinion, they underperformed his batted ball metrics. You see on the screen the X stats. So the X bat- expected batting average, expected slugging, and the expected weight on base average are much higher than the numbers that he produced in 2023. And the Diamondbacks have, and Mike Hazen has admitted that their uh, proprietary analytics are not that far off from X stats in general. So that's kind of one area that we've been, one area we've kind of been looking at when regards to potential free agent signings. So what's kind of the main thing that sticks out for you when you look at it? Well, I mean, the, the big thing is, is he's going to only see right-handed pitching. Like that's, that's like all he, you're going to, you're going to, that's the only, only bat he's going to get. I mean, yeah, he, some of it I think is unlucky. Just like, you know, just based on the bad ball profile, you'd expect better offensive results than that. If you protect him from uh, left-handed pitching, he's facing only right-handed batters. Like it's, it's not a bad signing in the vacuum. I mean, part of my, my facetiousness earlier, but like, this this should he's a good candidate to bounce bounce back. You you and uh, everyone inside the Diamondbacks basically kind of predicted this over the last last couple of days, oddly enough, and it makes sense. I mean, I dollar dollar figures. He's probably going to provide the best value compared to like a Jorge a Jorge Soler or a Reese Hoskins or JD Martinez. Yeah, because we look we look at the Hoskins signing. Hoskins signed with the Brewers last night to a two-year, thirty-four million dollar deal, and obviously Jorge Soler is the top DH option on the market. With I think Toronto named as another team, and Toronto I think has a little bit more financial muscle than Diamondbacks at this point because they're a slightly larger market, and unlike Diamondbacks, are not a bottom uh, ten yeah. revenue team. That's why the Diamondbacks have a additional draft pick every year. Uh, in the competitive balance lottery, it's between teams that are either bottom ten in market size or bottom ten in revenue. Yeah, I mean, so I th- and Toronto was also prepared to give Shohei Otani a big free agent contract. I think it was in the upper six hundred ranges. Obviously, Otani signed with the Dodgers, and it was gonna be it was gonna be hard for anyone. I felt like it was gonna be hard for anyone else to sign from, but that's uh that's kind of the thing. They have the fun- they have the money. They gotta go get players. Yeah, improve their roster. So I feel like Dimex are going to lose a bidding war for a Solera, Martinez, Hoskins. I mean, it's, it's pretty much scrapped now, or even Turner. Who's left, who's left now? Like left- the, Jap- the Japanese market has been like, which is really the, like all the marquee 
you know, player like acquisitions you can make are all coming from Japan or Korea. And they've all, they've all made, they've all signed with teams. Now you're left with the, the scraps, which like your best. I wouldn't consider Peterson a scrap player though, either, but. Not necessarily. I just mean like, I mean, compared to like a Yamamoto or I uh, can't think well, of the guy's name who signed with the Giants, the KBO hitter. Like he's definitely. Uh, Jung Hoo Yeah. Jung Hoo Lee is a, is a, is a, Josh Peterson's a step down from him, in my opinion. And I think that's not a, a controversial opinion at all to say. So, I mean, well, I mean you're- the thing, the fact that Diamondbacks have stayed competitive enough to get in these signings, like, I mean, you're, you're, they're going to get outbid generally for most of the free agent targets, you think. I think it comes in the case of being aware, okay, we, we might not be able to get this guy. Let's not make sure we're left holding the bag, I guess. Make yeah. sure we address the, it's a th- urgency. It's like Suarez comes up on the trade market quickly. So Hazen, Waste no time to go get him and go get him from Jerry Depoto. Even we all we know Jerry Depoto loves to do trades and he likes to do trades quickly. Yeah, he, he's an ideal trade partner. Like I really, he really has been. Yeah, like, we actually wrote, we actually wrote about the history between him and Hazen on Inside like, Dimex. There's a lot going on between they, the two. They must have each other on speed dial or something because it seems like it's the first the first guy that they go to respectively is is the other the other guy. So, um, I mean, uh, I, I, if you, you were talking about before, like there's red flags with JD Martinez that, you know, you don't particularly like Jorge Soler. I think, I mean, I love that. I would have loved that signing. Um, just because he's like, you know, just got the, I mean, Soler would instantly be the candidate to lead the D-backs in home runs in 2025, uh, 2024 I don't expect as much a power drop off for him as you would maybe for Walker would because Walker's going to be 33 when the season starts. In fact, opening day is his 33rd birthday. Oh, well, you know, happy to happy birthday to Christian Walker on uh, opening day. I'll wish him in advance. So, yeah. And obviously in the case of Peters. I was going to say, what are the the biggest drawbacks to the signing? Like, what do you you not like about it so far? I mean, other than we don't know what the dollar figures are. Yeah, it depends on the dollar figure. But again, the issue with Jack Peterson, obviously, is he's not an everyday player. Yeah. But everyone knows what Peterson brings to the table. So it's not necessarily, you're buying in a known quantity. Yeah. That's why I don't, that's why I like what signing is a known quantity. Yeah, you know what you're going to get out of uh, Commodity, sorry, not quantity. He's you know what you got? You have a re, you have a pretty reasonable expectation what to get to him. Peterson's going to provide impact against right hand pitching. Yeah, I'm gonna pull up this graphic here from our friends at PHNX. Obviously, they did it for their show, but we're gonna use it for ours as well. So this is a graphic that they put together. Or, uh, so you can see this is their projected lineup against right-hand pitching. And I think you're going to see a shakeup in this line because to me, this lineup, obviously Christian Walker has been the cleanup hitter for the past two seasons, but the way this line, this uh, roster is put together, I don't think it actually makes sense from the back cleanup against right-hand pitching. Yeah, not at all. Like that, that's going to need, that's going to need some tweaking in that lineup. Cause you're going to need to bat Peter. You, you don't want to bat Peterson third because then that makes you vulnerable to a left-handed reliever. Even though Cattell Marte is a spirit hitter against lefties and Corbin Carroll's no slouch. Yeah. But then you're uh, leaving yourself a little bit vulnerable unless the plan is to trick the opposing team into getting a left-hander in there. And then you have Cattell Marte switch around and then you surprise with a pinch hitter. But the D-backs really don't I have a, Slu- a, sl- a right-handed hitting slugger that can bring off the bench. Yeah, that's a. So I mean, that's, that's a, that's, that. we can talk about that later. I mean, that's, that's actually one of the the things I hadn't thought about that the team needs to address is like this, I guess, bench depth. Um, but like, I mean, overall, it's 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 not a bad if they, if they just protect him from left-handed hitting and you know he they adjust the lineup accordingly. I think it's a, it's a good signing in the vacuum. Like I, I would expect him to bounce back. I think moving from Oracle to chase should be uh, just upgrade in terms of hitting environment for him. Um, and just the clubhouse chemistry, I guess is not the best, especially once the giants were out of it. Um, shout out to our baseball who noted that uh, when they were out of it, he didn't really put in the effort to, you know, to hit. So hopefully playing for an actual good team, like you see some bounce back from there of him just caring more. 
I was saying, when you look at Pearson's career, the first time he really didn't play for a contender is when he got shipped off to the Chicago Cubs, but then was immediately traded to the Atlanta Braves. Was traded to the Braves at the deadline because he was an independent yeah. free agent, and the Cubs weren't going to re-sign him. That's basically the first time his career he didn't play for a contending ball club because the the Dodgers were winning the division every year when he was yeah. first called up, and then he goes to San Francisco. The Giants were sort of a contender in twenty. 22 but they kind of fell off late okay basically yeah. the deep uh, kind of basically with uh with a, uh and they ended up finishing like, i think 500 on the year this is what happened you can thank the dimex for that yeah uh, yeah i'm trying to see the pull the giants record last season was they were pretty bad they were they were bad obviously they were they were, they were eliminated from playoff contention by the dimex essentially I don't they, know if they were officially eliminated, but the D-backs put them under 500. The Giants were slightly under 500, if I remember correctly. They're 79-83. So, like, just going from – I mean, that's not that huge. I mean, it's only a uh, five-game difference, but still, like, actually being – I mean, it's hard to care when you know it doesn't matter. So, like, I actually understand that completely. Just being in a, a better clubhouse and a, a, with a, a better winning atmosphere, whatever you want to call it, uh, I mean, you would hope that that helps him bounce back. Just caring more. I mean, you look at the D-backs roster. The only guys that were there when the D-backs were pretty bad are Cattell Marte and Christian Walker. Not much else there. Yeah. In terms of the young core, because Thomas Carroll and McCarthy got their feet wet in the 22 season. So they didn't really have that season of losing hanging on, hanging on over their heads. They really, and that's, I guess you say that's a good thing. Cause it's like 22. They're trying to establish themselves. as Biggler's 23. They go, they met, in a year where the National League is pretty weak and then 84 wins was enough to win the wild card when most yeah. years it's not but they did they go on a postseason run it's like after the fact that, of course obviously sometimes getting into playoffs sometimes is a the harder battle than actually going into the playoffs it's just a matter of getting hot at the right time exactly like we we, we really learned this from from this last uh, playoffs is uh, and, you just, you just and gotta, the, you just gotta show up I mean, yeah, in the Dimex case they had to win uh, in the Diamondbacks case, uh, every they were almost playing a playoff series from the middle of September to the middle yeah. of September all the way through the end of the season. Now, of course, yeah, they yeah, dropped right. two of their last three series, but they won. Obviously, they won enough games. And it definitely made it a little bit more interesting than it had to be. But by I winning mean, the six seed, I think they got a better path to the World Series than they would have as a five seed. Oh, they they absolutely lucked out with. Uh, just, just who their opponents were in the playoffs, and like if they if they had gone into, like I I like the Diamondbacks. If they had gone like into this, Philadelphia, they would have lost two zero. Yeah, like so they did really, when they went in there to start the NLCS. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I mean, right, right now the Diamondbacks on paper are looking a lot better. Like you, you yeah. already yeah. have you addressed the, uh, the need of a better starting pitcher. You addressed the need of a better third baseman. Uh, you're, you've kept, you've kept, uh, Guriel, which is, you know, like that's a, yeah, you retain Guriel. Up, that's a big, that's a big signing. Yeah. It's just not like having him have, if he walked and played for another team, like we, we'd have one more thing to worry about. So just have like retaining him was, uh, I think one of the more important moves of this off season. Uh, Peterson is a nice, like, I mean, I, we talked before this, like how he Lug- probably Peterson to me is like a luxury signing where it's like you, okay. you kind of have a, Need, but you're not necessarily. It's not necessarily like a cripple, a, a fatal flaw type need, but you certainly want to improve your lineup where you where you can kind of signing. Well, if you if you go on Twitter, they'll say that Taven Smith is the fatal flaw, and that's the role that he's most likely I mean, going to be stepping into. So, I mean, the thing, uh, yeah, Peterson is definitely like a upgrade over Paven Smith, and I think whatever dollar figure amount is certainly fine for is going to be worth that kind of money for the upgrade. I mean, the thing about Smith is Smith has an elite batting eye. Yeah, but nothing else. That's pretty much all he's got. I mean, yeah, that's pretty much so. the only strength he has as a hitter. Yeah, so I mean, it's a, it's an upgrade over Paven Smith. So I like that. That actually and was a need, uh, whether both of us really think it is or not. But I mean, like looking at the playoffs, I would say it is. So uh, adding adding Peterson definitely like that's that's an that's an upgrade. For me. Yeah, you don't lose the walks with Peterson. In fact, Peterson posted a career high walk rate of thirteen percent last year. If you can get that again. Well, you yeah. put Pearson in a position to do some, put do some damage, do some damage, or even start an inning. 
with, I mean, uh, he, do we have his postseason numbers? I'm curious about that. Well, I mean, I know Peterson had a pretty big 2020 postseason. He had a monster NLCS and World Series. If, if you look at the 2020 season, they're not quite as good in 21. The Dutch were calling 2020 postseason as Jocktober. Okay, so I just got his number. I mean, he's been a good hitter. Like looking at his, he the, his worst postseason performance was in, I think 20, 2018, where I mean he like actually twenty eighteen and the first two years of his career he was not the best hitter in the postseason. Last uh, last year obviously he was not. Uh, was, no, it was twenty twenty one with twenty one twenty one with Atlanta was his last postseason appearance, and he was. Below below average. But other than that, he's been above average hitter when he was with the Dodgers. I don't know about now, but when it's mattered and counted, he's been a good hitter. Yeah, I'm certainly hoping it counts and matters all the way through the season. Yeah. There's reason to believe so. Like, I would say if you put this team on paper, they're 88, 89. I would say 88 to 89 wins, I think, is what this team looks like right now. Yeah, that's how I mean, I, I would I would think that they're going to they're gonna finish between... I still like 80, don't think they're going to win. The, I still don't think they're in divisions in play, but they could certainly put themselves in position to host a wild card game as opposed to traveling. If the divisions in play, literally everything has gone wrong for the Dodgers. There's like that. This doesn't seem. Uh, I just like they, yeah, a I lot like, has to go wrong. If the Dodgers don't win division, there's heads are rolling in L.A. Oh yeah, they absolutely. I, I'm not talking the front office. I'm talking on field staff. So managers, coaches. Okay, so I, I finally got his postseason. I finally got his stats for the postseason. He's a career 256, 256 332, 4, 482 hitter. Pearson yeah. will provide just, slug. So that I means like just putting up a, an OPS above 800 in the postseason. Like that's 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 a solid. I mean, I feel more confident going into uh, a playoff run having a guy like Peterson available just coming off the bench like than I would I would otherwise. Yeah. It's going to be two-thirds of your at a minimum of two-thirds of your games, especially now in the NL West where there's fewer left-handed pitchers in the division. Kind of look at how it's gone. Yeah. The Giants losing Mania. The Giants are losing Mania, but they're getting Robbie Ray. And then Ray's going yeah. to come back mid-season. As long, as long with uh, rookie lefty Kyle uh, Harrison. The Dodgers don't uh, the Dodger Kershaw. I'm not sure what the deal with Kershaw is going to be with them, but obviously Julio Arias is not going to be returning to LA if he gets another contract at all. Yeah, and the entire pot and the Padres are going to lose their lone left, likely to lose their lone left hander in free agency. Now, of course, the question is, does he lead the division? Yeah, yeah. I don't. And it seems. I mean, it seems very likely. Be interesting to see where he goes, but I mean, it, it, oddly enough, like all like the three major, uh, like I, I mean, you kind of show he's kind of like a half a pitcher right now until he actually like starts pitching again. But they're he's all right-handers. Gla- Glasnow, Yamamoto, and Otani are all right-handers, so it kind of goes in your thing. I know he's not going to pitch this. Maybe he might. Yeah, Jack Peterson's not going to face Otani as a Dodger. Yeah, exactly. So, but still, unless like, he resigns with the Dimex, but obviously. But like their major, like my point is, like you're right, is it's it, there's a lot more right-handedness uh, going forward in the NL West than there, there's been previously, uh, and then the left-handers that the, the you know, but uh, Kershaw, uh, he's not going to be if he comes back to the Dodgers next season, it's not going to be until probably May or June. And you look at the season as a whole; it's two third two thirds of the games you're going to play at minimum are going to be against right-handed pitching, so. You're going to see Peterson get into about 115 to 120 games in 105 to 110, 105 or so starts in a healthy season. Yeah, so he appeared in. Just look up starts. Yeah, I have his stats page set up all weird. I'm looking at his postseason stats, standard batting, career. Let's go to appearances. So you look at the starts last two years 105 and 95. Okay, yeah, that's kind of yeah. So I would I would expect him to be in like probably like hundred, 
hundred games would be more like baseline. If he if he rebounds, it'll probably be more. If it's, I mean, it's. I mean, the main th- main thing you look at is starts. Obviously, he played a hun- He had one hundred fourteen games in the field in twenty twenty two and twenty twenty three. Thirty eight. Yeah. No, I don't think there's ever going to be a main scenario where Jock Peterson has to take the field, obviously, as a outfielder. But one possibility is you could maybe they try and work him out as a backup first baseman. Yeah, that was I saw that was floated as a possibility. And like that makes sense. Like, I mean, we, we talked about that. Before. That'd be a good question it, to ask. That'd be a good question to ask, Hazen, whenever that the signing gets announced. Yeah. In all positions other than the outfield, because Peterson's not a good outfielder. Not defensively. At all. I, and Arizona's got like six outfielders on the 40 man roster. They're better defenders. Even Pavin Smith is probably, you could probably coach him into being just oh, mediocre. I mean, the, the problem, like, we you know, like, that's really, yeah, he's a mediocre fielder at best. Peterson is probably about Bad. the same as, as Pavin, if not worse. Like yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's like Dave McKay. Dave McKay is a very good coach, but he's not a miracle worker. Yeah, I mean, in in a pinch he'll work, you know. But I that's some things are going wrong if he's getting regular starts in the outfield. Yeah, something's going wrong. Pearson's. Well, I mean, D-backs have the outfield depth at the forty man roster. That if a guy goes down, they got somebody they can bring up. Not worry about putting he, Peterson in the outfield had, for more than a game or two. Oddly enough, he did have a a start at first base last season. So he's, he's got three tw- games. He's got uh, nineteen career starts at first base, and the defensive run save metrics are very bad. In 154 innings. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean that's that's like if you have to, but that's at that point where you're you're, you're considering playing Jock Peterson at first base. Don't you don't you want to rather give like Ivan Melendez a chance or Tristan English a chance or like like oh I mean those guy guys are only going to get a chance if Walker gets injured. The, I'm talking about spelling Walker at first base for 20 to 25 games. I mean, yeah, I could see I could see that as a, I mean. Making sure he he's doesn't burn down and offense. he's too fatigued to go through the where he breaks. Basically, he's too tired to catch up the fastballs at the end of the postseason. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I, I doesn't seem like I got so like wa- really Walker, like, making sure Walker doesn't burn out before October. Yeah, I don't really see like really any other options that like really make. I mean, yeah, you got Paven as your other option. And like, I, I like Peterson better at first. I think in terms of spelling mm. Walker, it's a less of a look at, down in the bat. Cause if you look at the 40 man roster, look at the infielders, the only first, ba- the only first base, the only two first basemen they really have is Christian Walker and Emmanuel Rivera. Yeah, pretty much. I'm trying to see if, if yeah, you had a, I Suarez guy and he starts first and he didn't. So he's not an option at first. I mean, you look and you're looking at the roster. It's like who's the backup first baseman? Obviously, Peterson's not necessarily a guy you overlook. Same thing, especially since Guriel is more likely to play le- left field more now because yeah. with Peterson's presence on the roster. Yeah, that makes that seems like to be the, like the most obvious. Like you'll see him at at DH, first base, spelling Walker. Um, maybe like he said, like I'm mean, there's a chance to throw him into the outfield depending on the outfield that you're putting him into. I would say Pearson playing outfield is in case of emergency break glass. What is the what is the least bad outfield that you'd play in? Like where you think he would do the best? Like in terms of like field that he could play on and like what position? Right left field or right? in Yankee Stadium. Okay, so in those three games that we'll play in Yankee Stadium, but they're uh, not going to play in Yankee Stadium. There. They're coming here. Oh yeah, that's right. So yeah, you're not going to see him really in the outfield. I think first base is probably the best. Well, they Fen- Maybe they're go- they might go to Fenway. Fenway's another park. But then again, it's like yeah, it's already out. I was gonna say uh, in Pearson's case, it's like games you're gonna spell Walker, and he's already a DH. Yeah. So I don't really. It's I don't. Like, uh, yeah, he's pretty much gonna be first base DH. Uh, I think he's gonna be first base DH. Maybe a game or two in the outfield. If yeah, depending on how the Tori Lavelle uses bench. It depends might hit for on Alec Thomas. I could see them doing that, like like emergency break glass kind of situation. Like you're saying, but if it's one of the, like in the right scenario, you can play someone in an outfield position, and if you really pay attention to their positioning and 
they might not get that much action. Like it is, there is a, you occasionally will put a guy into left field and he will not have to move at all during the game. By the way, we're talking about scenarios. We're talking the Kyle Lewis scenarios. Lewis only yes. played three. Lewis played three games in the outfield last yeah, year. That's that's pretty much what we're talking about. It's the same exact thing. Is you don't you not want to put Jock out. I mean, that one you want to keep him healthy. I don't think that's necessarily at this stage in his career the best. Place well, I mean, to play the natural either. platoon is going to keep is going to take care of the wear and tear. Yeah, exactly. And obviously his time in San Francisco, he's been roughly about 87% of the bets that he's had play he had. He had the platoon advantage. So that's kind of a number of D backs have to keep in mind. It's like Pearson is not Pearson is not a good hitter against left-handed pitching. So they can't use him as an everyday option. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, it, that seems like the, I mean, it's an upgrade. I like it. I'm not thrilled with it. But it's better than some of their options. I think is how I sum this up. It's the question is what is the do the D backs have is is a question of payroll space. If the D backs have more money to spend, yeah. what what would you say if they did have more money to spend? And we don't know that for sure. It's like what would you like to see them target? Um. Well, uh, I like we. I was kind of like just trying to think of what I mean. That the obvious would be like you know get some some minor league depth would be at some of these positions. No, I mean on the major hours. league roster. On the major league roster is basically like sign a few arms. It's a live arm. You never have enough live arms. Maybe a, a good solid bench back. I don't really know any like anyone who would be like price where the Diamondbacks could fit them and like actually move the needle. To me the when it comes to the bullpen, I feel like the backs really can't uh for from an affordability standpoint, the best relievers that can help them that can move the needle forward for them are already in their organization right yeah. now. Like Justin Martinez developing control. Maybe you yeah. move Jarvis, Jarvis or Sacconi to the bullpen full time. You get Nelson kind of play that bridge middle inning bridge guy in case you have a short start. I mean, what Not are quite, the like, needs really? What, what are the needs even, anyway at this point? The D backs has to resort to a bullpen game. You go bulk use him as a bulk guy, that kind yeah. of thing. But no, what's that's, left to really do? That's my question. I mean, like, those are your best options. Like Martin, Martinez throwing strikes is better than any reliever the D-backs can sign. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the only... Or Bryce Jarvis uh, Bryce Jarvis would be better than... Putting him in the bullpen full-time would be better than any reliever the D-backs could sign. Yeah, I mean, the, the best reliever, like all the all the arms that I would like to see are basically out completely priced like priced outside of their budget uh or have already been signed so yeah stevenson um, obviously would have been a pipe dream but pe- uh stevenson got a lot of money to go pitch for the pitch for the angels yeah um yeah i don't really don't know who you would uh you would go From after bullpen standpoint, there really isn't anyone there really isn't anyone uh no, i we mean can pull up, in terms, if you're looking at outfielders okay uh like most like it's the same thing applies to the outfielders in our organization. Same thing applies with the infielders in our organization. I would think Jordan Waller is a better option than any other infielder on the market. Or at least one, or at least anything that, well, I mean, to better, get a better, guy with a proven track record for what Waller could provide is going to cost yeah, you like five, $6 million. He's better than Tim Anderson. who's probably the best shortstop on the market. He's better than, you know, like, like literally compare the options of free agents right now. I really don't think that there's better options than Jordan Waller in terms of shortstops and, and, and third baseman. We got basically the best option available. I mean, yeah. I was thinking Elvis Andres platooning with Perdomo, but yeah. They went I mean, out and got point, I, signed Kevin Newman to a minor I, league deal. I mean, if you really want to do an upgrade, for me, I mean, I would be happy uh, starting Jordan Waller every day at shortstop or like the majority starts moving Perdomo to a uh, kind of backup utility infielder for, role. Yeah. the ba- Yeah. Utility infielder role. I think that's an upgrade over any of their movie you can make. So, I mean, most of the options that you're looking at at this point are going to come internally and it's just sorting out the playing time. Yeah. For me, if they're going to make an additional, um, make any additions to me, I think it has to come in the outfield. Outfield, maybe a guy that can DH for you a little bit. Of right, and it has to be a right-handed bat. I mean, who's available? Like that would be even 
There's a lot of... Okay, so... Obviously, I feel like it's more likely to come from the trade market than free agency. Yeah. Uh, we can just entertain the idea of free agency. So we'll do outfielders. We're going to rule out Solaire, obviously. Yeah. Because if the D-backs could sign Solaire, I feel like they would have already. They would have, yes. I'm not, And we're just going to do right-hand bats, so no Cody Bellinger pipe dreams, folks. That's actually who... who That would be, like, ideally... We sign Belly. This actually would be totally nah, fine with I that. I mean, Bellinger, Bellinger uh, if we're talking about Jock Peterson's X stats being awesome, we have to talk about Cody Bellinger's X stats being meh. Yeah, I don't, I mean, he's definitely, here's the thing about Cody Bellinger is whoever signs him, it's very obvious it's going to be a mistake in the long run. Like, I would be totally fine with Cody Bellinger on the same kind of contract that Jock's on. But the unfortunate thing is he is not going to get Jock Peterson money. He's going to get, uh, premier outfielder money, premier marquee free agent outfielder money, which he's is going to get not, 25 million a year. I, that is not at all what he's worth at all. Uh, unless depends. he, unless if he can repeat his, his, you know, his uh, rebound Bellinger's, year. Pre- Bellinger's a good defender. Can play any outfield position. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, and first base he, if necessary, even when he's awful, he's a good defender. That's like the one thing that has kept his career alive because he, I don't think that he would have gotten the chance last year if, And the fact that he got off to such a great start to his career and won an MVP award. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I'm looking at roster resource right now. So the two outfielders I have circled as possibilities are, well, three, if you want to include him too, but you're looking at seven to $10 million for a fourth outfield, possibly a fourth outfielder that right, that bats Uh, right here. Tommy Pham, 8 million, one year, 8 million. Adam Duvall, one year, 8 million. Michael A. Taylor, yeah. Uh, two years, $14 million. And this is the Fangraphs median. Whit Merrifield, two years, $8 million, uh, $16 million. My friend, my friend from KC would be a huge fan of the of signing Whit Merrifield. He's a huge fan of, of Whit. Um, There's no numbers for Randall Grichik, but certainly Grichik's I not a, full, I fully endorse signing Tommy that Pham. That's, that's what they should do. They need to sign Tommy Pham. Just for the hilarity, they don't. Need, he could just hang out. I don't care. And if they thought we'll have a fantasy league, and it'll it, it'll be fun. Why not? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure the first reporter that asks about that is not is going to get the death stare from. Fan. Uh, uh, embrace the chaos. Tommy Bram's like, Tommy Fam says the chaos. I can channel all my chaos into hating you. Like that's literally the dumbest question you can ask yeah. either one of those guys about that fantasy football thing. It's like. Jock Pearson oh might answer God. the question, but Tommy Fan will just give you the death stare. I think that they're both like done. That's been like the last time I saw it, I brought up with a a, a Jock Pearson interview. He kind of did the same thing. He was like, I don't want to don't want to talk about yeah. that. Has nothing to do with what happened today. Uh can we yeah, that, that was that, that, incident, that, that incident was three seasons ago. Yeah, it didn't even mirror a response. So I mean they're both they're both over it. Uh yeah. Enough that they're not going to be. It wouldn't, wouldn't be an issue. I do think that would be funny as hell, though, and uh, we would all be better for it. Except for, right. except for maybe the team and you know the roster in general might not be better for it. it might not be better for clubhouse chemistry, but it would still be funny for the meet. Yeah, I'm looking at roster resource real quick on Jock Peterson. They have him at two and twenty-four, but obviously this is a one-year deal. Based on the reports, it's a one-year deal. We don't have the numbers yet. I'm going to double-check to make Mut- sure. Mutual options never work out. That's what I've heard uh, Gambo was saying. It was a mutual option. Um, I I don't think that will really be a factor at all unless the Diamondbacks have like a World Series run and like you know he plays a key part of it, which in that case, everything right, is done I'm going right. to zip through here. Some... Yeah, that's what's no Steve Gilbert said it's a, a one year with mutual option. So yeah, it's one year. No, we're trying to figure out the dollar number. I'm gonna double check. Thought I saw nine five, but I don't have it verified. Not anyone. Yeah, I can't. I so yeah, I don't have that. I don't have the number. What is Fangrass projected for? Uh, Why does it say sources to ESPN? He's the uh, stats and info guy. But anyways, uh, 
I mean, it's, as long as it's not outrageous, like if he's if yeah, he's we're being, talking probably in the ballpark of ten to twelve million. Like I said, yeah, the Fangrass Medium crowdsource was two and twenty-four. So okay, that's, so that that's that's I'd I'd be okay with that. I mean, especially the second year, so, the mutual year. Uh, so I like, think at the Diamondbacks at an outfielder, it's going to be through via trade. And obviously, I don't remember what the outfielders are. I'm going to pull up. I'm going to have. Uh, I'm going to look up. How far back do you want to go for free agent list? You want to go 24, 25? So yeah. that'd be next year's list. So you're looking at I mean, outfielders next year. I obviously they're not going to sign. They're not going to go Eloy after Harrison Jimenez. Bader. Eloy Jimenez. Now, he, I don't think they want to take on that much salary. Probably not. But he's a guy that you know. Uh, yeah, it's, be a good it's not a good list. It's not a good list. He's got yeah, fun it's not hair a good too. List. He's got fun hair like like Guriel too. So you know, like he's got extra points for that. So, so I'm looking at the free agent list for next year on MLB trade rumors. There just isn't anyone really that's right hand that's worth grabbing. So you gotta look at the next. You gotta look at the 25, 26 free agent list. I think as a start. I know obviously Harold Ramirez is listed as a possible target, but I, I looked at his stat cast page. The same reason why I'm in Ohio was uh, bullish on the idea of signing Jock Peterson is the same reason I do not want to see Harold Ramirez in a Dimex uniform. Um, All right, so 2526. All right. I think we can do oh, it yeah. with. I'm not cool with signing any, like, real raise cast off generally because they have we do not have a good history of acquiring players from the raise so anyone who's a ray i have no interest in hmm. i need to check would the nationals be up for dropping victor Rob- robles that's one off. that's one player i can't shake off this will be a free agent after the 24 20- War season, yeah, he's got five years of service time, so that's not a bad. I mean, here's my thing with with Robles. He's got five years is, service time. He uh I don't know if it was because of injuries that he only played uh, thirty six games. Yeah, that's what stands out to me. I think it has to be injury. It's got to be like Robles had that nice uh, twenty nineteen season with the counting stats, but never really put it together, and it kind of. Did okay in 2023, but didn't play much. Mm, what was I don't see what he was put on the injury list last year for, but I mean, he's a guy that I don't, he seems like a bad bet to me. I mean, he's only got two really one season that was actually above average. I mean, you're talking about a fourth outf, you're talking about a fourth outfielder type, and Robles can play center field. Yeah, I mean, that's if that's what you're doing, but like, is he that much of an upgrade over in house options? Like, like uh actually Rose, i think if, uh, if the d-backs trade for robles he'd be there he wouldn't be at the fourth outfield he might be starting probably but then i don't know like i said you'd be your left-handed you'd be your center fielder for the left-handed option and then you don't have to worry about playing carroll against left-hand pitching and you wouldn't have to play center i mean robles is still really young i mean he's only he'll be in his 27 yeah his 27 years season, know, which always is like check, that's, always check their uh MLB.com page. They usually have the transactions out there. Well, he's he turns 27 in May. So and he'll be um, entering his age 27 season. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. So it'll be interesting I mean, to see what young, the injuries are. In he's younger than uh, I, I, you know, I think the, 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 the Cincinnati Reds might actually be a good trade partner just because they have a lot of excess in like infielders, this, sir, but infielders. Or, oh yeah, or maybe like the, I mean, may, maybe the the Cardinals. They seem they're gonna have a glut in the outfield. Maybe I match like up the, with the Cardinals unless they're willing to give up. Yeah, uh, pitching, pitching depth. Their pitching yeah. depth, and I'm not necessarily sure the D-backs should give up Sacconi Jarvis. Yeah. Or I mean, I don't. Nelson I don't at this really point. see uh, a trade that really seems obvious. I mean, before we haven't really. Uh, I could see the like. I can see Victor Robles working out if the Nationals want to clear. Hey, yeah, clear payroll. Um, I mean, they're obviously not quite ready I'll to contend yet. I'll have to check the salary arbitration numbers, but... um, Okay, so Victor Robles, if we look up the thing, obviously, there's a pretty lengthy 
He was dealing with back spasms for much of 2023. Okay. He's only signed for like, he's only got like a, like less than 3 million AAV. I don't see them trading him necessarily. Wait, that's like nothing. Like that's a long-term like, deal or are we talking just R2 was 3 million? Yeah. His art, his arbitration, uh, for 2024 was 2.6, which is like nothing. Um, so I don't see them necessarily moving him. Okay, yeah, he's for 2.65. But here's the thing. I mean, the Nationals are going to have to clear out room on their roster for when Dylan Cruz, James Wood, yeah. who else? Robert Hassel III, and all their outfield prospects get reached the major leagues in the next 12 to 24 calendar months. Yeah, I mean that's really. And like I feel like for main. the Nationals, Robles is not. And Robles is not a long-term asset for them. You try. I yeah. think it's a. But at the same time, they don't necessarily have the. They don't necessarily have to deal before the trade deadline. That's just what I was going to say. It's his value right now is low enough that they're I both mean, better served. Yeah. They're better served waiting until the deadline and hoping that he are like you know late into spring training and hoping that he has a strong showing. So they can extract more value. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't have he doesn't have a long term future with him. He's going to be a free agent at the end of, end of the twenty twenty four season. I mean, two point so. six five million isn't a lot of money, and that's in itself yeah. is a lot of trade value. Yeah, being so a cheap, I mean, affordable option. Yeah, I mean that's pretty much. But for me, he doesn't seem like that much of an upgrade over our you know our in house options per se. And also, like, the flip side I, that I, our, yeah, I would rather person. I would rather give like. Jorge Barosa a chance as a fourth outfielder than acquire someone like unless you think like Jake McCarthy is not going to bounce back or Alex Thomas is not going to you know uh, hit any, yeah hit lefties at all unless you really don't believe in your two other options or three other options if you're including Barosa um, I don't really see the point of making a move it doesn't seem like I mean you're just going to be giving up either uh, much needed salary space I think what you're going to do in that type of trade is you're going to probably trade from outfield depth in the first place to try and add a little yeah. more certainty to your roster. So you would send Barossa, uh, for McC- example, Barossa McCarthy the other way. Like, okay. Robles has trade value, but not a lot. I mean, and also so, the yeah, risk is if Robles gets and the risk for the Nationals is on the other side. It's like, okay, yeah, his trade value can go up if he has a healthy season. If he doesn't have a healthy season, you're not they're not going to be FAA. Them. Yeah, so. It's it's one of those situations where it's like if it if there was just, I understand that aspect like you have more. But there's nothing there. that necessarily prevent. There's nothing saying anything that's like okay, we got to get Robles off the roster. Other than okay, we want to make sure yeah. that they're not. I think that's kind of like Dylan Cruz to be. Uh, I mean, I would expect him to fly through the the you know the minor league system, but uh, I do not think he'll be ready that fast. Um. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know if there's some some like really obvious trade candidates though that like I like would want to get. At this point, it seems like the trade market is going to be uh, where a lot of teams are going to be left making moves. I know there's been like big trades really in the last uh, last month, but I would expect it to pick up once they basically towards spring training. Um, I mean, I, I just really can't think of any other you know obvious candidates. So. Overall, I mean, if we're just talking about like an offseason report card, like they've done everything that I can think of that they really need to do. Um, I'm satisfied with the rotation now. There's, of course, there's still question marks. Uh, you know, there's always going to be when you have young players. I, I mean, I, my my biggest concern is that they they leverage a relatively strong, I mean, still a pretty strong farm system. Uh, and instead of expanding their the window of contention, they they narrow it down to like the next year or two versus it should be the duration of Corbin Carroll's contract, which means this next decade. They need to be basically trying to stay and expand that the, the window of contention between 2024 through, uh, I'm trying to think when Moreno is a, his free agency, like, like six, five, four years from here. So... 2028 like that's that's your window of contention that's what they need to focus on now so um trading for just like just for 2024 it seems like uh like it, like it would be a mistake just just more based off of like oh hey we lucked into a world series so now we have to you know make all these moves to make sure we get back into the world series when it was kind of fluky in the first place and they're I mean, better the off just side, sticking to the 
offering uh, McCarthy for Robles. The question is, is McCarthy going to be part of your 2028 core? And there, that is a yeah. legitimate question. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that, that makes sense to okay, me. So but just dropping like, this like in I right said. here. But uh, Jock Peterson is at 9.5, coming in at 9.5 million. Okay. I like it. I like that at that price. So the D-backs payroll is going to be roughly around, I would say, this now since we do it inside Dimax is at $144 million with the Jack Peterson signing. Yeah, that's that's not that's not at all. That's not terrible. Like, I, I they still have some room uh, left to, to do stuff at the deadline. I would, I would rather them have the, the payroll flexibility down the stretch. Oh, wait, no. The total guaranteed money now. is $12.5 million. Sorry, I forgot about the buyout. Oh, okay. That's not bad. Because it's a mutual option and it's unlikely to be exercised. Yeah, that's what Because if Peterson has a good season, he's going to want to hit the market. And if he doesn't have a good season, D-backs don't want to bring him back. Yeah, that makes sense. Right, like a mutual option. So it's 12 point, so we, can, we can write in 12.5. I, like I said, the only scenario I see that mutual option being exercised is if the Diamondbacks win the World Series next year with Jock Peterson being like part of the key, you know, contributor to them if, winning the World Series. Even when that happens, then, he's going to want to hit the market anyway. Yeah. Yeah. He's so yeah, I, going I, back to the thing. So, yeah, the most obvious trade. So, going back to that outfielder like Vicar Robles, to me, is the most obvious trade candidate. Washington wants to get something for him before before he departs for free agency. That's one avenue. Obviously, Harold Ramirez would be an option as a DH only bat but then again for a dh only bat you don't necessarily want a guy that's uh you don't want to necessarily overpay for a guy that's only going to give you 300 plate appearances at most yeah i mean the only reason why well, i think robles if somebody got hurt could step up and do an everyday role the only reason why i don't see like a guy like eloy jimenez being like an actual the salary is already is, too high it's the salary yes the salary is too high and Dimex don't have the payroll space to absorb it eloy jimenez basically the, the, to be the able the to do Sox so they have are not they don't have a smart enough clubhouse to move them now. And I mean, and the thing about Eloy Menes is if you get the White Sox to pay down the contract, then they have to, you have to give up more on the other end. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're going to expect a lot back from. So like, I guess, yeah. Even I though, mean, a guy, a guy like Robles is probably a more obvious target to go for. Yeah. I mean, That's I disagree I just because I, I believe in some of the, the minor league options more than, like I, I'm, I'm higher on some of the fringier guys than you are. I, it's just, yeah, it's I don't, I don't think Barossa gets an opportunity until someone gets injured. Is the thing. Yeah, that's my yeah, thinking. You're probably, you're probably right and about it. They're gonna, br- I think they're gonna bring up Fletcher first before they bring up Barossa because even though I think Barossa has, a, I think has a chance to provide more at the major league level than Fletcher because Fletcher to me is like a fifth outfielder. Barossa could be a fourth outfielder if he hits left hand pitching because he is a I mean, switch hitter, so he'll have the platoon advantage. Yeah. I mean, Barossa on on but a Fletcher on a had better team, numbers in Triple A. Yeah, that's the thing. Is Barossa has a better uh, he, he has a just a better pedigree as a prospect than Dominic Fletcher. Um, yeah, but well, Fletcher got I the bigger Fletcher, signing bonus. Fletcher, if you want to ask Fletcher, about that, uh, I, I mean, uh, Jorge Barossa signed as like a, a sixteen or seventeen year old. It's, I mean, it's not apples to apples. We're talking international. Uh, you know, an international signing versus the draft. So, I mean, there's a lot of money in the case of Fletcher versus, uh, you know, whatever they feel like paying, you know, up to a certain point in international free agency, which they don't, you know, his, I'm just saying like historically, for like go through our top prospect list over the last uh, six years. I think let's, go, let's look on the average, tw- I, I think on average, he's ranked higher. I could be wrong. I mean, in the for last me is, season, it's changed. He, Fletcher has moved the needle on that more in the last year than than Barossa has. Like he's definitely broken out. Uh, yeah, I think Barossa I bumped up Barossa ten spots. To, yeah, because I mean, I feel like obviously being a switch hitter obviously happens, and maybe I probably underrated Barossa throughout most of his career because he's a five five guy with near bottom of the yeah. scale uh, in game power, but then the in game power has gotten better. But we also have to account for the fact that he was hitting in home run inflating environments too. Yeah, I mean, he's not. I, you're like you're probably right about that. Fletcher is going to get a chance first, just because he's already been called up to the major league and his clock has already started. Um, but I think I, I I would think that like if I'm going to bet between Dominic Fletcher and 
uh, Victor Robles is Fletcher is, you know, younger. Uh, it has more upside as far as we know at this point. Like they're like, you look at the, the numbers so far, like you're, I think he's a better bet, especially for the dollar figure. Just for the dollar figure of league minimum, basically, if you're talking about Burroughs yeah, versus Victor Robles. Yeah. I mean, like, here's the thing is that a guy like Victor Robles is going to cost not only the money on it, but whoever you trade. Okay, a guy like Barosa, Fletcher, all of them, they're already in your system. You're already paying them. It doesn't have any additional cost added to, to, to you know, doing the other than getting rid of a guy to call him up or sending a guy down. You know, that's pretty much it. That's why I'm just like much more like, that's the thing is, is a team like the Diamondbacks, uh, they've done, they've kind of done the, the best, best of both worlds in terms of strategy this last, like during Hazen's tenure of, uh, just they're targeting the right guys while building from the farm. Yep. And they got, and if they continue to do that in the next three to four years, they could definitely keep this contention window open, even as two of their top pitchers likely depart in free agency after the 25 season. Yeah, I think it's, I think that's pretty much a, a certainty at this point. I could see a guy like uh, more. I see Merrill, Merrill Kelly seems like we have a better chance of, of signing him, you know, to, you know, a longer term contract. I do not see Zach Allen signing any kind of extension or doing anything other than reaching free agency. Yeah. Unless he has a horrible year. So anyway, it's going to wrap it up for today. Thanks everyone for watching. Remember to you will like subscribe, uh, subscribe. If you enjoy the content, Comment down below uh, what you think of the Jock Peterson signing. Again, one-year deal with worth $9.5 million for 2023, plus a $14 million op- mutual option with a $3 million buyout. So the D-backs are paying a guaranteed dollar value of $12.5 million for one year for Jock Peterson. Let us know what you think of the signing. And uh, make sure to share share it with everyone. Facebook, Twitter, all the, all the platforms. So once... Uh, f- Next time we'll uh, talk about the Diamondbacks offseason and kind of just how they did. And we'll, maybe we'll do grades just for the uh, clickbait content and all that. So you have any final thoughts before we wrap it up? As we wrap it up? Um, I mean, not, that's, I think I've kind of summed it up for everyone. Um, I'm just excited to get something. I mean, we're like less than a month away from pitchers and catchers reporting. So I uh, do a lot of actual, actual stuff to talk about. So thanks for watching, everyone. <laughs>